Well, hello everyone, this is Adam, coming at you from Voice of Crypto. I'm a new host, and to anyone who is listening, we're talking about Web3. We're talking about the mysteries of it. We're talking about what it is. We're talking about how it works, the future, and, well, things to look at in the future. What exactly is its potential? So, without wasting any time, let's jump into it. Buckle up any seatbelts. I recommend grabbing a snack, grabbing some water, because hydration is always important. And, lastly, grab some snorkels, because we're going into a deep dive of this. Let's take it back all the way to web 1 and go to 3 because to explain 3 let's do a few generations and don't worry I'll keep it short so we can jump right away into 3. Web 1 as I'm gonna start this off was essentially the first iteration of the internet and it was designated as you might imagine web 1.0. The majority of the participants were consumers of content and aren't we all? Whereas the makers were large web developers who built websites with material delivered primarily in text or graphic format, the Web 1 era ran roughly from 1991 to 2004. Sites delivered static material rather than dynamic HTML. Data and content were supplied from a static file system rather than a database, and there was little interaction on the web pages. And if you had to essentially like give like a like a sort of coalesced information of like what web 1 is if you had to describe it into a sentence web 1.0 was essentially the read-only web now we get into web 2 and that's where it gets a little interesting this is what we use today it's the interactive and social web it's the web that connects us all it's the one that we're all comfortable with it's a simple one in in the way that we know it and web 2 is interesting because as I mentioned in Web 1, they would need large web developers, right? That's not true for Web 2. Anyone can use it. Anyone can participate in the making of the sites in a Web 2 universe. Many apps are done in such a way that anyone can become a creator. And you have the ability to create a thought and share it with the rest of the world. You can post a video and make it available to millions of others to watch. And they can interact with it, comment on it, like and dislike it. And Web2, as I mentioned, is quite simple when you think about that simplicity. An interesting number of people all around the world are becoming creators. There are more and more people creating blogs, video creation sites, and so on. Examples of Web2 applications are YouTube, Wikipedia, Flickr, Facebook, Instagram, that person who runs like a blog over like their cooking stuff. That's Web 2 too. And as promised, we're jumping all the way to Web 3. And before I fully start onto Web 3, we must add that it's still a work in progress and it hasn't been fully defined in its potential. Though essentially if you did have to give it like the most basic definition, it is the decentralized web. Because rather than controlled by a single server room or governments and corporations, it's more peer-to-peer, -peer, actually. It's, 
And instead, Web3 applications either run on blockchains or decentralized network of many peer-to-peer -peer nodes. Or a combination of the two, actually, and they form a crypto-economic protocol. These apps are often referred to as dApps, decentralized apps. And you'll see that term used often on the Web3 space. Essentially, users are the owners of their own data. Global digital transactions are secure, and online exchanges of information and value are decentralized. Web3 even enhances the internet as we know it today, with a few other added characteristics. Let's go through some points over what Web3 is. It's verifiable, it's trustless, it's self-governing, permissionless, distributed and robust, it's stateful, and lastly, native built-in payment. And about Web3 from an angle that you'd expect, and since that we're a crypto podcast, cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency plays a big role in many of these protocols. It provides a financial incentive that you can call tokens. And for anyone who wants to participate in creating, governing, contributing to, or improving one of the projects themselves, these protocols may provide a range of services such as computation, storage, bandwidth, identity hosting, and many other online services. Now, let's roll it back a little bit because I want to talk about tokens. And I mentioned it before, but they provide a payment layer to Web3 that is essentially frictionless and not governed. There are crypto wallets out there such as MetaMask and Taurus, for example. And they, like most wallets, are anonymous and secure, ideally at least. It also helps that they're efficient and, as well, without gatekeeping, so payments can be done easily and set up is just a breeze. And to the future, as I promised? Well, I mentioned tokens. And essentially, what that eventuality boils down to is a token economy. Take a look at some examples to envision what I'm saying. You're starting a company, and in order to start it, you need funds and support. You give away a percentage of the company. This investment immediately introduces misaligned incentives that will, in the long run, not align well with the building out the best user experience, and as well lead to not-so-transparent dealing in money. However, on Web3, it mostly eliminates that where a project can be supported by stakeholders who can use tokens to vote on changes to the future of the project. People who helped build the project can sell some of their holdings to make money after the tokens have been released. For projects, people can essentially just sell their stake and that indicates to creators that they're headed the wrong way. Also considering how blockchain is all public, buyers can see it for what it is and what's going on. You can take pretty much real-life example of an app called Radical, which is essentially a GitHub alternative on Web3. There's also Yearn that allows investors to participate in decisions, and just so many other stuff. There's things that are like transparent, and that makes it so much easier for creators and for people investing. There's much less risk. And now that I'm talking about organizations, as I mentioned before, Let's talk a little bit about something called DAO. What is that? That's essentially decentralized autonomous organizations. 
where it offers alternatives on how to build a company in that space, that being Web3, where projects can gain momentum from devs and firms, organizational structures are basically thrown out the window, thrown to the trash can, thrown to the side, and what comes is a actual real ownership, and this provides an interesting dimension to the game of investing. There's even an example, which is a DAO called Friends with Benefits, where the market cap goes to 125 million US dollars. And I can honestly cite so many examples as well. Though, let's get into DAOs another time, because that's a rabbit hole for another time. And I hope this little deep dive into Web3 has been interesting, because let's notice that there is a high potential. There is a lot of things to create a business on, and that's something really interesting on what it builds out to the future. So, if you're interested, please join me again next time on Voice of Crypto. This has been Adam.